<laughs> and welcome to Lioness Podcast, Contemplations with Jane. That's me. <laughs> I'll be honest, my heart is, is racing right now um, as I record my very first podcast in this way. So I have so many intentions for what I'd like to share today, but this podcast is not meant to be like a topic, structured, organized thing. It's really meant to be a, a meditation, contemplations, right? Uh, just a channeling of whatever it is that I'm thinking through, understanding, working through. And I guess I could begin with this concept of spiritual contemplations, right? I added the word spiritual for very strategic reasons so that people who want to listen to a spiritual podcast can find me. Um, but I, you know, the word spiritual has kind of um, started to bother me over the years because spiritual feels like a category in which we live as if um, like sports, like I like sports. I'm a sporty person. Being a sporty person is a unique characteristic. Well, I wouldn't say very unique. You know what I mean? It's a characteristic. Not everyone is sporty. Everyone is a spiritual being. Everyone. Like all of us. <laughs> We're all divine and human at the same time. So I have a hard time even using that word spiritual because... It just feels like something I have to convince you that you are. And maybe that's part of the show is, is reminding you that you are. That we're all spiritual beings and that the person you see that you call spiritual is no different than you whatsoever. What does it even mean to make us spiritual? You know, like to me it's like spiritual means to just be in a higher touch with the higher universe, to be in touch with God or source or a deity or a goddess, you know, to believe and trust and know and live as though there is a higher power guiding you. And so, yeah, not everybody is as tapped into that, but come on, how long have humans been connecting and tapping into the power that is higher than them, you know? And I guess I would ask you, for whoever amazing, beautiful angels <laughs> that decide to listen to this show, you know, when, when you were, when you came into this world, how were you taught to be spiritual? And let's remove that word. How were you taught to be in touch with a higher power? How were you taught to practice being human, you know? For me, it was, you know, two weeks old and a priest was putting holy water on my head, declaring me, you know, a baptized Catholic and as long as I could remember, I was, you know, spending Sundays sitting in this beautiful church, 
kneeling, standing, sitting, singing, <laughs> you know, the whole thing. And that's how I was taught. I wasn't taught to be spiritual. I was taught to believe in God, to pray to Jesus, to seek guidance from a higher source. I was raised to be quite spiritual, if you would ask me. I think that all religious people are inherently spiritual. And <laughs> another funny strategic thing about making this show is that you have to choose a category for your podcast. And the only category I felt like I could fit into was religion and spirituality. But then there were subcategories. Religion and spirituality subcategory Buddhism, Christianity, Judaism, or, again, spirituality. But then there was also a philosophy uh, category, a culture and society category. And I felt like what I'm here to share is, is all of that, you know? So if you're listening, you probably consider yourself a spiritual person. You probably would say that you're on a spiritual path. Aren't we all in some way? Or is it just those of us who are awakened and aware of being on that path? I don't know. So then contemplations. What is a contemplation? In, in my understanding and the way that I have been practicing these last, um, you know, this last decade, I suppose, that makes me sound really old. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> um, so for me, I first understood what contemplations are when I entered Buddhist training. And I was given a book of contemplations, you know, contemplating the Four Noble Truths, contemplating death, impermanence, contemplating emptiness, contemplating rebirth, reincarnation, the bardos. Um, and so what these were, were these nuggets, not nuggets, they were these philosophical pieces of information that are passed from, you know, teacher to student verbally. My, my tradition is very... Um, oral that way. We, we share everything teacher to student verbally. But as a beginner, I was given this booklet of things to just start reading over and really contemplating, right? And instead of the, the religious, this is what I felt religion to be. And this is a whole other thing we can dig into is what is religion. From the religious standpoint, from, from the way that I was raised in the church, it was here is what we believe, so you believe it. It was very, you know, I, I, I had a hard time growing up being told, this is what we believe, as if, like, I just had to nod my head and say, okay, I believe that too. When there was this really loud voice inside of me as, like, a four-year-old saying, well, I don't know if I believe that yet. Aren't I here to explore what I believe? And, and on top of that, I was in, a, in Salt Lake City, which is a very theocratic religious community in itself um, of the Latter-day Saint religion. And, and that was another tradition in which, you know, my friends who were all in that church, they also weren't really invited to question and to contemplate what they believe. 
And so what I really loved about entering this Buddhist temple and training in this way was that I was given information to contemplate. And my teacher, he said to me, I'm not here to tell you what to believe or what is true. You take this information and you find a way to to be true to you. I want you to come and bring your doubts. I want you to come and bring your questions. I want you to pick this information apart, back and forth, up and down, until it feels true to you. And that is what I love so much. Like that is what made, like, lit this thing up in my heart that was like, I love this. Because since then, today, you know, last night sitting in front of him listening, I am still contemplating how much of this feels true to me. How do I make sense of this? How do I align with this? How does this resonate? And where, when doesn't it? Like, I love having moments of where I disagree or where I question because it's a little pocket where I can go a little bit deeper to find a little bit more of my own truth. Contemplations are about seeking truth. And that's what I've been here to do since the day I was born is just seek not only what is true to me, but what is universally true. What is universally true? And I think that what I aim to share in these contemplations throughout this show is what is universally true. Now, in this moment, I feel called to explain the obvious last part here of lioness, right? Choosing a name for a show is hard. (laughs) I did a six-episode podcast years and years ago, and maybe I will share what that was like, what that was about. I just called it the Jane of Ada One podcast, and I just had six episodes I wanted to make, live stream, totally different situation. And... Obviously, for this, I did not want to use that name because I'm not bringing that back. That chapter is closed. This is something completely different and new and not in any way attached to that last show. I am a completely different person than I was then, and um, Jane of 801 has just (laughs) become this brand that I can't escape. (laughs) I chose that name when I was, you know, maybe 16. So, lioness, you know, I have a lot of lion energy. My last name is Lion, and I, and I have always really loved that. Even though it's Lion, L-Y-O-N, like the city in France. You know, when I tell you my name, you don't think that. You think of a lion. You see my red hair. You, you, you feel the vibe. I'm a fiery Aries. Like, it's just... The lion is, is such a part of the energy, the lioness, you know, the lioness. And even in Buddhism, we talk about the lion's roar, and it just all kind of leads back to this desire to just call this show lioness, you know. 
Make it some way relatable to me and still in very detached from me because it is not about me. It's about all of us. It's about seeking universal truth. And the universal truth that has been on my mind today and this week is basic goodness. Basic goodness. And I have a feeling that throughout the show I'll be, I'll be referencing my teacher very frequently and maybe we'll even have the blessing of having him on as a guest. Who knows? But he, you know, he is, he is my guide on this planet. And um, I have many, many guides. Lama Thupten Rinpoche is someone very, very special to me. And um, I, when I saw him for the first time in person after 16 months of only virtual Zoom, FaceTime conversations, um, he said to me, Hi, you Instagram model. <laughs> I see you and your message. And I want you to share more about basic goodness. Basic goodness, Tenzin. What is basic goodness? And last night, in, um, last night was our opening puja for Prayers of Compassion. It's a big celebratory weekend where we celebrate the Dalai Lama's birthday and all the sanghas gather to accumulate the Chenrezi mantra, Om Mane Padme Hung. We try to accumulate as many as we can. Normally it's a million. This year things are a little bit different because we've just opened again, but we will definitely make 100,000 very quickly. And it's just such a beautiful time of coming back to the heart, coming back to our basic goodness, being more like Chenrezi, the deity of unconditional love, loving kindness and compassion. We believe that the Dalai Lama is a physical reincarnation of the Buddha Chenrezi, here to spread compassion with the world. And, whew, so much to say about that. There's so much to say about that that I'm wondering, is this something I want to dive into? Yes, I'm feeling called, so here we go. Tibetan Buddhism was, for so many years, this like hidden kingdom on the Tibetan plateau in the highest mountains in Asia. You had to travel far and wide to get to Tibet to see what these lamas and these Buddhists were like. There's a beautiful book called The Snow Leopard um, that kind of gives you an idea of what that might have been like. And this beautiful Tibetan Buddhist culture was being practiced there and it was, you know, the whole country celebrated this tradition and the Dalai Lama was like the president, right? He was the, the leader. It was a theocratic nation where the church and state, the spirituality and the culture of the people were all one. And the Dalai Lama was the leader. And it's this beautiful, you know, this is a story we hear, this beautiful Dewa Chen, this paradise, this Shambhala. And um, as many of us know, the Chinese invaded and there was a horrible genocide of so many of the Tibetan people. And it's, you know, of all of the painful genocides and stories we hear in the world, there's something that really pains my heart 
Since I was a little girl, I've always known the story about the Dalai Lama. And what happened is that, you know, many, many people had to, had to get out of there. And the Dalai Lama, along with my teacher's teacher and many other incredible teachers, were lucky enough, were blessed enough, were protected enough by the Buddhas to safely escape Tibet before they were murdered, you know, before they were killed. And the Dalai Lama sought refuge in Dharamsala in India, as many of us know. And, well, he very quickly became an icon. Tibetan Buddhism just started to spread around the world. He was living in exile, and so to survive, he had to you know, make a, make a living if, if it's okay that I say that. I hope I am not offending anyone when I say that, you know, he had to survive. And so he had this dharamsala, but he had to be able to support himself and his people in some way. And, and, and not only that, but he knew that there was a reason for all of this. He, he knew. He does know now. And so he started sharing the message of Tibetan Buddhism everywhere. And I had the blessing of him being here at the University of Utah, at the University of Oregon, you know, sitting, giving us all audience in a giant stadium. Like, how incredible is that? That we got to receive those direct transmissions from him. As I told you in, in my tradition, it's, it's teacher to student. It's an oral tradition where we're speaking and sharing through our voice, which is a big reason why I wanted to have this, this podcast, this show, this recording of my voice as a, as a transmission, right? To share this way. And so... Thus, Tibetan Buddhism spread around the world, and my teacher in Nepal, Kimpo Kunchok Monam Rinpoche, when I was there visiting him, he said, be grateful that the leader of China invaded my country, because when he shattered Tibetan culture, shards of that glass spread all over the earth. And now, the seeds of my culture, of this beautiful tradition, have spread around the world and are growing. And he says this to a room of 25 Western Buddhists there, dressed in red zens, sitting, receiving his teachings, taking on his culture, taking on the responsibility of these teachings of this tradition and to be the ones to carry it on. My teacher, my Kempo, he was 19 when he traveled from Tibet on foot. It, it honestly, it, it brings emotion to me, which, which gives me this deep belief that I was there in some way, right? There's some reason why I'm so tied to this tradition. He was 19 when he came here on foot with, you know, whatever group of people that he came with, and he was the only one in his family that survived. It took him years to travel from Tibet in exile, fleeing 
to get to Nepal and find safety. Whew, just, you know, sitting in front of the happiest Buddhist man ever who was so content, you know, and hearing that that's what he went through. Oh my God. How lucky am I to sit and receive this, you know? So, I guess that's what was on my heart to share. And I've been so blessed to meet so many incredible teachers. I'm only 27. I, I started practicing when I was 21. I officially, you know, entered the, the Buddhist temple when I was 21. And before then, I actually, I started to quietly consider myself a Buddhist. I was reading so many books. I knew that Tibetan Buddhism was my path. And I was simply going into any meditation situation, teaching, experience that I could until I just found my teacher. I, I didn't know. <laughs> I had no idea that there was a Rinpoche, a master on 3rd West in downtown Salt Lake City. I had no idea. But luckily I spent, you know, a few years. Luckily it wasn't long. It wasn't long, but I did spend a few years on that quest, on that search to find my teacher. So here we are now, spiritual contemplations. So what is basic goodness? What is basic goodness? That is what the Dalai Lama is here to teach us, right? He's here to remind us that we are all inherently good. We are all inherently good. So I want you to just, as you're listening now, taking a breath in, Feeling into that goodness in your heart, that warmth in your heart. If you're one of my students, you hear me say this all the time. <laughs> but maybe this isn't something you hear me say often. I want you to think of all of the things in your life, the memories, the characteristics, the things you've done and experienced that make you think that perhaps you are not good. Perhaps you are not good. Think of all of those things. I want you to think of all of those things as if they are simply mud. It's just mud, dirt, dust that is covering your heart, your soul. However way you see it, I like to, I, I see actually my full energetic body, right? And I see just piles of dust, caked up dust on me when I think about the things in my life that make me think that I might not be good. You know, the, the years and years of harming myself, the years of starving myself, the years of denying my own desires, the years of closeting myself. Even the, you know, the years and years of believing that my homosexuality was evil and gross and bad. That's a lot of mud, right? But in that heart of yours, you feel your heart beating, that warmth, right? There is a beautiful crystal, diamond, beautiful, sparkling 
precious gem that is so luminous, it's so beautiful, it's so bright, it's filled with light. It shines in all ten directions. It is divine. It is beautiful. It is you. It is your essence. That is your basic goodness. This luminous Buddha-like quality that is inside of you. And these lives that we live, right? This human earthiness, this heaviness, right? And how interesting is it that the mud is earth? It's that dense matter. It's the most dense matter of all the elements that covers up, that weighs us down. The earth element as it is arising in our mind is the heavy memories, the guilt, the shame. That is the earth element in our mind space. The dirt that covers up that beautiful diamond. So when we are practicing, whatever your tradition is, I don't care. I don't care if you are a Longchen Ningtek Buddhist, Zen Buddhist, Christian, you know, following a Vedic tradition, Kabbalah. I don't care. I don't need to name all of the traditions you could be following right now. I don't care. It does not matter. It is all displaying some sort of universal truth. That universal truth of basic goodness, of finding a way to shine that diamond. So as we're practicing, that mud is just starting to fall off. We are just cleansing the, the body, the koshas, right? The, the physical body, the emotional body, the, the energetic body, the wisdom body, the bliss body. We are cleansing ourselves, our mind, our mental body. Can't, can't skip that one. Of all of that mud, all of that dense earth energy that we're just simply conditioned with, you guys. It's, it's inescapable. Even, you know, one of my favorite, one of my favorite teachers, Yangi Mengyur Rinpoche, he, he went into being, you know, becoming a monk at, gosh, I don't know how old he was. I'm going to guess six or seven. I could be wrong. And he would have panic attacks. He was human. Even though he was raised, his father, Tuka Ergen Rinpoche, was one of the, was one of the most well-known masters in Nepal. And, and even being raised in that world and entering, you know, this, this monastic life at such a young age, he still had the, 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 the dense heaviness of earth weighing him down. He still had fear. He still had worry. He still had anxiety. We all are going to grow up experiencing this. None of us, none of us are, are going to escape this suffering, okay? And um, that's the first noble truth that the Buddha shared with us, right? Is that there is suffering. And I think that's one of my favorite things to just remind anyone. Yes, you will suffer. That's the first step to transcending your suffering is knowing that you will. So that it's not so freaking surprising every time you suffer. <sighs> so, you know, we're raised. I was raised in such a lush, wealthy, beautiful, privileged life, you guys. And I suffered. 
I suffered and that's okay. I am so grateful that it, you know, in my early 20s, I found, I found the medicine. I found the way out of that suffering, which is also one of the noble truths, that there is a way out. There is a practice. There is the Dharma. Or whatever your Dharma is, you know, whatever your way is out of suffering, it exists. And I have this belief that we're here on earth to learn to transcend our suffering. We're here to live this earthly experience of of pain and heaviness and joy and happiness and love and ecstatic awakening and sorrow and dark night of the soul and bliss and fulfillment and adventure. It's, it's one of the best earth games, you know? That's what we get to do here on earth. And I also believe that there are these realms out there, these other universes, these other dimensions, these other planets, where there are beings much like us who have evolved, who have evolved where they have transcended their own suffering and they do live in more blissful worlds, that there is a Dewachin, there is a Shambhala, there is a whatever you call it, you know, a heaven, a celestial kingdom. But it's not that it's outside of here, it's not that we have to die to get there. Maybe we can be reborn into one of these planets, into one of these realms, but here on earth, this is what I really believe. We're here to practice this suffering. We're here to practice this humanness, this basic goodness, right? If we can just really start to transcend that suffering, if we can really start to practice this basic goodness, this being of, of, of love, of service, of divinity, of, of just sharing compassion and unity, we can start to evolve into these higher realms of humanness. We may not see it in our lifetimes, but we may see it in our lifetimes, (laughs) right? In our many lifetimes that we get to live. While I am a bodhisattva and I have taken the vow to stay here and to keep on living this, this life again and again and again until I can help us all transcend that suffering, and go to that Dewachen, that nirvana, that, that beautiful, blissful place. So I'm not counting on it happening soon, honey. I'm not counting on it happening right now. But the awakening that I have seen, especially in the last year, people, in the last year, the, the, the way that meditation is normal, the way that everyone is looking for a Reiki healer now. Like, I need help, you guys. I need more Reiki healers. I need more meditation teachers. I need more yoga teachers. I'm not kidding. Like, this industry is not oversaturated. People want to start learning to heal. This pandemic, oh my goodness, has this been one of the most incredible blessings of suffering that us Earth humans have received? In our, you know history of awareness, right?
And what I have witnessed is that I went very swiftly from trying to get people to start learning to meditate, trying to get people interested in yoga and energy healing and, and you know, believing that they can be freed of their suffering to all of the sudden now, like, I am... I am, I am working, y'all. I have my work cut out for me. I have more than enough people contacting me, wanting to heal, wanting to learn to meditate, wanting to learn to teach meditation, wanting to learn to teach yoga, wanting to learn about Buddhism, wanting to find something better than waking up, commuting, working a nine-to-five, going home, watching TV, eating dinner, going to bed, you know? That is not living an awake life. Even though, trust me all, there are many days when I wake up, I commute from my bedroom to my office, I push through my work, I clock out, I turn on the TV, I eat dinner, I go to bed, right? Some days we are just walking through the motions and that's okay. But when I have days like that, I want to notice. I want to bring more consciousness in. I want to say, okay, you fell asleep a little bit today, Jane. <laughs> Did you feed yourself well? Did you practice for the benefit of other beings? Did you meditate at all? <laughs> Did you share your love? Did you ask your soul what it needed today? <sighs> We are all spiritual beings on this path. And if the last year, you know, if 2020, 2021 did not awaken that in you, then you're probably not listening to this show. <laughs> so I will remind myself that I am listening, that I am speaking to the beautiful bodhisattvas out there that are also listening to this show. So if you're listening with me, Let's take another breath in. Beautiful, and I want you to feel your heart beating. I want you to feel the energy and the love around your heart. And all that mud around your heart, around your body, around your aura, wherever you see that mud landing on your, on your human. Take a breath into the heart. And as you exhale, just let the light of the heart burn right through that like fire. You are so good. You are a Buddha. You are Jesus. You are a saint. You are inherently good. Very, very good. When we, when we feel sadness because we see suffering, that is your inherent goodness showing itself. When we feel such a desire to help others, to serve, it is because you are inherently good. So, Notice that inherent goodness in you and act on it more often. How can I be of more service to others? This is something I am just 
constantly acting, asking myself, because even as ingrained in my practices I can be, I can be so selfish. I can be so selfish and I can go all day saying, I just want to be with me. I don't want to serve. I don't want to work, you know. I just want to go sit on a beach by myself and not worry about anybody else. And I will give myself those chances, right? We know I will. <laughs> but I will always come back to work. I'll always come back to serving. And I will always ask myself, how can I serve more? How can I serve more? Which is really the main reason that I decided to make this show. As I become more booked, you know, more busy, I'm, I'm raising my rates so that I can, you know, make my time more worth it, you know, so that I can really serve and, and I don't want to lose touch with the people that I'm here to serve, you know, I don't want to become inaccessible in any way, ever. And so... I want to create something that's for everyone to receive so that if, you know, working with me one-on-one -on -one, or even, you know, being in my, in my yoga classes, my virtual yoga classes is just not something you can, you can do. This show is for everyone, you know, and I know that <laughs> there are some shows out there. Let me, let me just... Let me just honor a really special podcast that um, really, if there's any podcast out there that changed my life, it's this one. It's called Visionary Souls by one of my mentors, Sydney Campos. I started listening to it just because I loved her book. Um, she wrote a book called The Empath Experience. I never listened to podcasts before, never. And this book she wrote was so beautiful. It just like it just spoke to me in a way that I had never been spoken to before, in a way that Buddhism hadn't even spoken to me. It was so, it was so for the moment I was in. It was just so for the moment I was in. And it helped me grow so much from that moment, you know? And so I found her show and started listening to it. Hi, Sydney. <laughs> I love you. Um, and while I was, the, the, the beautiful story about that show is that I had just gotten a job at a yoga studio in town and I was so excited to kind of start put, putting in my work, paying my dues at the front desk, checking people in, um, you know, organizing mats, washing the floors, talk, tell, talking to people about yoga, like meeting all of these teachers that I really admired and respected in town. And um, I was there at 5.30 a.m. to open the doors. Like it was just, I love looking back on that time because... I was really paying my dues. I was really starting to align with that life. And um, while, of course, going to the Buddhist temple. Um, but, you know, getting into that becoming a teacher life. And um, so you have a lot of alone time. Mopping the floors, sweeping the floors, stacking blocks. Like a lot of alone time. So I wanted a good podcast to listen to. And I listened to Visionary Souls every day that I worked. And I will never forget like mopping these floors, hearing Sydney talk to these incredible people, living these incredible lives, going through these incredible healing experiences, 
becoming entrepreneurs, starting their own healing businesses, you know, becoming coaches and, and traveling the world and just having these beautiful, unconventional lives. And just every day, you know, making that 13 an hour, mopping those yoga studio floors, helping people, you know, helping the teachers. I just was like, I am going to create a life like the ones I'm hearing about in this show. And, and the funny thing is that I just only dreamed about working with Sydney. I did not believe, and this is what's so crazy to me, I didn't believe that I was worthy of going on one of her retreats. I didn't believe that I was worthy of paying for a, a, you know, a course of hers. I was just worthy enough of listening, just of listening. And it took me years and years, actually. It wasn't until the pandemic started and I was at a complete loss of what in the world I was supposed to do with myself. And that listening to Sydney's podcast was still, you know, years later getting me through it. That's when I did the really bold thing of reaching out to her and, and saying, can I work with you? And I got to work with her, you guys. I ended up doing all these amazing things with her, did an Akashic Records training with her. Like, I WhatsApped her this morning, like we're homies, you know. And um, what I realized is that I learned to trust people through their voices. So I started listening to a lot of other podcasts after that. There's so many beautiful Buddhist podcasts out there. And I also love, you know, I am in the coaching industry and I love, I love it. And I will talk way more about that. Um, listening to other coaches, you know, and what I realized is that I learned to trust people through their voice which is so aligned with my tradition, right? As I've said, we are a oral tradition. We pass on our teachings through the voice. I have always shared my love through my voice, through my music, through my teachings. And I want to share with you. I want to support you. I want to be there for you. You know, I want to be that voice that when you are just having the hardest day, when things are just feeling so tough, you can pop in some headphones, listen to the show, go for a walk, go for a walk somewhere beautiful, listening, or, you know, walk around your house and start to tidy up your home a little bit, or cook yourself a beautiful meal while you're listening, you know, do something soothing. Or you can just, you know, lay here like I am on my daybed, drinking my half-calf mate. <laughs> and, um, yeah, just receive. And I guess it feels really, really important to say that if you think that you are too small <laughs> or unworthy or anything that I just said that I was in regards to my first coach, Sydney, that you're not. If you're listening and you want to reach out to me and say hello, I would so love to hear from you. If there's something I can support you with, I would so love to hear from you. And I want you to know that you're totally worthy of, of all that you want to do. I used to think that, you know, someone like Sydney or even like my Rinpoche, right, my teachers, 
they're on some sort of pedestal that I'm not on. They have some sort of blessing or karma that I don't have. I'm just going to keep living a small life. I don't know why I thought that. I don't know why I believe that. But that is not, you know, that is not right. That is not real. That is not true. We all have the exact same blessings, power, energy on this earth. That's one thing I know. We're all blessed with the same internal energy to make things happen. We are all given a different set of circumstances and a different set of privileges, but it doesn't mean that we can't all go after it. it definitely doesn't. So I do feel myself coming to a close here. I'm so, so grateful that you wanted to listen. I'm so grateful for, you know, your time, your energy, your space, and I'm just kind of feeling into you here. And let's just take one more last big breath in together. And as you go out into your day, may you be more kind, more compassionate, more loving towards yourself and towards others than you were yesterday. And may we carry this vow with ourselves every single day here on after. I'll catch you on the next episode, my love. Thank you so much for listening. I love you.